Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, so this episode of the podcast is a live replay from my free Facebook group where we go live every single Wednesday and on Tuesday, the members of the tribe ask questions and then I just give you my honest feedback, honest opinion. If you're not part of Tom the Trainer's Tribe, make sure that you check the link to the description in the podcast episode here and join Tom the Trainer's Tribe. Uh, I really, really enjoy answering everybody's questions. It's something that I look forward to every single week. So if you're not part of the tribe, I'm going to ask right now, why aren't you and why haven't you already clicked the link in the description to join? It's kick-ass community. It's positive vibes only. There's no BS. And uh, anytime anyone has ever come into the tribe with any BS, the members of the tribe have reported it to me absolutely like instantly and we just uh, removed that person. So I just want to reiterate the vibe in the tribe is a vibe. So come join. So we're going to get right into the Q and a. So Austin's asking a question about meal timing for energy and muscle growth as a topic. Uh, he says he knows that meal timing is far less important than your overall diet, but he's always been curious, particularly on the carbohydrate intake piece, uh, especially if it's consumed several, several hours prior to your workout rather than closer to your workout. So that is a phenomenal question. I think pretty certain I talk a lot about um, dieting priorities. I believe it's on, I think it's on episode number 15. So I can definitely go into a little bit of detail on the topic, but if you look up episode number 15, let me just double check that. Then I really go into it quite a bit. I think it is correct. Dieting priorities. So that was actually a replay of a live as well, but Either way, really great question, Um, and it's a topic that I think a lot of people ask about or a lot of people are wondering about, so it's a phenomenal, phenomenal question. So when it comes to meal timing for muscle growth as a topic, so I personally believe that meal timing absolutely does matter. Now, I've talked about it previously. I believe the overall um, importance And priority when it comes to your diet itself is going to be your overall calories and then your macros first. Um, Definitely overall calories and protein as probably like your highest priorities. And then timing would be of, I would say, maybe like lowest priorities. However, I still believe that it has an impact. Okay. So especially, especially when we're talking about building muscle. So when it comes to fat loss. It appears as though that how you break up your remaining calories after your um, protein intake, it seems to come out in the wash as it relates to just total fat loss. However, I do believe with muscle gain or muscle retention that carbohydrates are absolutely key. So when I am, and, 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 also to point out is like, I'm not somebody who believes in any of the fad diet of keto or intermittent fasting. Like I don't believe in cutting out a single food group from your diet. I'm not a big fan of it. Not all advice is for everyone all the time, but more often than not, I believe that you should have all of your macros present and carbohydrates, especially for building muscle are extremely important. Okay. As it comes to timing, um, I believe that if you're going to focus on anything with your nutrient timing, your biggest impact, if you were to prioritize anything as it relates to that, is going to be your nutrient timing surrounding your workouts, okay? Now, so what I like to do personally is, is I like to have some fats, and I like to have some carbohydrates, and I like to have some protein, probably about, let's say, maybe an hour ideally in an ideal world about an hour before I start my workout, but it could be longer than that. Um, the fats will slow down, uh, absorption and digestion a little bit. And then the carbohydrates are your muscles, primary energy source for good, strong training. Okay. Good, effective training. 
And then the proteins, as long as they're complete proteins, will provide your body with the essential amino acids that your body needs for like repair and recovery. So pre-workout, I really look, like to focus on fats, clean carbohydrates, and then complete protein source. And then post-workout, I like to really focus on like carbohydrates and protein with very little fat. Okay. Um, and the reason that I like to do that is, is because, you know, if, if, as I mentioned earlier, the fat slows down absorption and slows down a digestion, I don't want to do that post-workout because I want to replenish or provide my muscles and my body with as much of the nutrition that was burnt during my workout as fast as possible. So I don't want something that digests slowly. I want something that can digest quickly. If you're going to leverage fast acting, like sugary carbohydrates, post-workout is the best time to do it. 100% it is. That's one of the very few times where it's less likely that it would be converted to fat is if you do it post-workout. Obviously, it's pretty hard to convert any nutrition to fat if you're in a caloric deficit. But for me personally, I avoid sugary carbohydrate sources, fast-acting carbohydrate sources, um, unless they're post-workout per se. Okay, So post-workout is a good time to leverage things like... Um, you know, the good old traditional like chicken and rice is really key uh, with some sodium. I like to use hot sauce and soy sauce uh, or what my, my go-to lately post-workout because it's delicious and why not eat it if I can uh, is Honey Nut Cheerios with some protein powder and almond milk. So uh, that's kind of what I like to do surrounding workout nutrition. Um, I, I personally think that like, there's not going to be a massive difference if you're consuming your nutrition when you say like several hours, several hours, Austin is like a very, like, uh, like kind of like open-ended, like open for interpretation. I would say if you've eaten probably within three hours of your workouts, your body still got going through the digestive process and still supplying those nutrients. Anything beyond that, um, I, I would personally believe that it would probably have a negative effect on, on, on the effectiveness of your workout per se. Um, and for me personally, it's really just a preference thing, but I don't like training hungry. Like I just don't, I just don't train hungry. That's like, I've literally like back in the day, like back in the day, like I'm an old man. Uh, but back in the day, I've literally gone to the grocery store and grabbed an apple because I was a little bit hungry when I started my workout. So I like got into my workout a little bit and then was just like, yep, I'm not doing this. I'm going to get some food. So I hope that answers the question. Did everybody find that really, really helpful? And And obviously, like there's more detail on that on like episode number 15 and then also episode number. Um, let me just double check it. I just, I just did one. I swear. Episode number 33 diet priorities for a big transformation talks a little bit as well about like the importance of like overall calories versus macros versus meal, meal timing. So episode number 33 is a really good one to listen to when it comes to for that as well. At the end of the day though, Austin, and I know it's like a really general answer, but it's like, what is working best for you? Right. Um, what's working best for you? How do you feel best? Some people, some people, they train fasted in the morning on an empty stomach and like mad respect to the people who do that. I just, there's no way I would, I would ever do it. I just don't dig it. But if that were the case, then, you know, that cliche, there's no such thing as a bad workout. And if you are training fasted, or if you have had a large gap between meals prior to your workout, I think it's important to probably eat like sooner post-workout. Okay. So next question is in regards to restarting a meal plan. The most notable things to stick to from Jessica, 
because obviously it's important to consider calories in versus calories out and BMI to determine the calorie factor. But beyond that, do you recommend three or five meals to someone whose goal is not to be Wonder Woman quite yet? (laughs) In brackets. Simply exercising because of the health benefits and wanting to watch foods to complement this. Yeah. So when it comes to restarting a meal plan, like there's, there's everything's, you know, gray and there is no black and white per se, but when it comes to starting a meal plan, I think like the most notable thing is first and foremost, you got to set yourself up for success. Okay. So you got to have a look at your lifestyle. You got to have a look at all the factors in the equation and go realistically, how many times can I commit to eating? I'm personally a big fan of a higher frequency diet. I personally am a bigger fan of five meals at minimum in a diet. And I don't like to go as low as three. And realistically, the reason why is just because I feel as though if you're eating frequently, then your body always has like a very regular delivery of the amino acids that are necessary to build muscle. But I think like more importantly than that, when you're talking about losing body fat, if you're eating like five or six meals per day, you're never having to wait too long between meals until the next one is coming, right? And then when that happens, it's like probably far less likely that you're going to overindulge on food because you're not going to be like ravenous and starving, right? Like we all know, and there's no denying it, the worst decisions that we make in our diet, or I mean, I can just speak for myself and, but I would assume everybody's going to be the same and I've I've coached, I've transformed over 300 clients to date. Like I've got a pretty good understanding of usually what causes people to overconsume. Like we usually make our worst decisions when it's been a long time since we've had a meal and we're starving and we're like, I do not want to wait and I don't even care right now. Just give me food. If it's it just give me food, if I can eat it and it's going to go in my belly, I will eat it right now because I'm starving. So when you eat more frequently, there's a higher, less likelihood of that happening, right? Because you're rarely going to be ravenous. The only time that I get ravenous per se is when I've like skipped a meal, right? But I personally eat five, six meals per day. Um. So definitely a higher frequency, in my opinion, is better. Um, And then when it comes to, you made a really good point here about like BMI to determine the calorie factor. Um, So BMI is something that I consider when determining the calorie factor. But Like I consider a lot of things. It's a matter of how much weight do you want to lose in what time frame? How much body fat do you have on you now? What's your likely lean body mass? And then those are the things that I kind of piece together in order to determine a diet. Um, But I would say, and I would say as well that generally for for female clients, I would probably set their calories a little bit lower in relation to their body weight than I would most men most often. Mostly because just men, just we just do carry more muscle mass, mass and women are of higher body fat percentages, which is necessary. They have things that need body fat on their body for raising children which men do not and um, they just carry more body fat so men have more muscle generally per pound and therefore they're going to burn more calories uh, per pound of body weight as well so those are some things to kind of kind of consider um episode (laughs) i'm doing all the plugs Episode number two, I think it is. 
how to build a fat loss diet without giving up the foods that you love uh, is a really good is a really good way to look at how to set your calories. Okay. Um, so episode number two on the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm going to move on to the next question here, and I got a comment that I'm going to refer, refer back to because uh, it looks like it's got some inter- interesting information. So everybody, make sure you make it to the end or at least hang on a little bit longer because I'm going to read that comment. I think it's got some really cool information in, in it about like timing, I think. Um, so Damon is asking about muscle confusion. Does it work? And if so, is Tom Platz's theory of doing lighter weight explosive or heavier weight with less reps have the same idea as muscle confusion so man this is an awesome question damon i actually did like back in the day i did a live training just on this exact topic muscle confusion okay so i believe that muscle confusion is a term that was used often like by i think it was uh used by arnold in pumping iron um and like we have to kind of also like understand that um using language that people would kind of understand like he was naming he was naming a method and he was naming training methods in a way that people would understand it But obviously, like, you can't necessarily, like, confuse a muscle if you're going to get hung up on the language. But that doesn't mean that it's an an invalid theory. It's just it was named in a way for people to kind of understand it, right? So muscle confusion, does it exist? Can you confuse a muscle? Uh, Not really. However, like, if you're not hung up on the language of it, then like muscle confusion does exist, but not in the way that like Arnold talked about it of like shocking the muscles and those kinds of things. Um, it's really just a matter of like, in my opinion, muscle confusion is about like progressive overload and periodization. Okay. So muscle confusion is progressive overload and periodization in my opinion. Progressive overload means that you intelligently, strategically make your workout slightly harder over time, okay? Even if you're using the same, um, even if you're using the same exercise selections, you progress those exercise selections through, through weight, through reps, through whatever it may be. There's a podcast episode on this too. <laughs> uh how to build a program like an award-winning coach episode number 11 talks about all the ways that you can progress your training time under tension reps sets rest intervals etc okay so muscle confusion is progressive overload how do you give your muscle a new training demand that it's not necessarily used to every time that you train now that doesn't mean that you need to change the exercise every time that you train that doesn't mean that you need to do all crazy like drop sets and shit like that that like arnold talked about of shocking the muscles but it does mean that you need to try to progress the difficulty of your workouts over time to create a new induced training stress okay and then progressive overload is different programming principles also creating quote unquote muscle confusion because you're using different methods in blocks of training. So if you were using, and it could be something as simple as like for four weeks, you use machines and then for four weeks for say for four weeks, you use machines and you go high reps. Then for four weeks, you use machines with very similar style of exercises but you use only barbells and you use lower rep ranges. That's progressive overload, different programming principles. So muscle confusion, if you're not hung up on the language of what it is, does work per se, but the technical way to explain muscle confusion is going to be progressive overload and periodization. So 
and then Tom Platz's theory of doing lighter weights explosively over heavier weights with less reps, um, having the same idea of confusion. So I'm not certain if I have heard Tom Platt's theory and ha him relating it to muscle confusion. However, like, obviously the guy was on to something, you know what I mean? Like those legs, right? The guy's got like the best legs ever. Um, I work with a lot lighter weights now than I did a long time ago. And I have had great results, I would say, with both. However, and, and research indicates whether you're doing five reps or 30 reps, if you're taking it close to failure, you're going to yield a similar amount of muscle gain as it relates to like tissue addition. Uh, however, there's a much higher compounding effect on your central nervous system stress when using heavy loads and joint wear and tear than there is using lighter loads. So I think like lighter loads, honestly, for longevity wise are going to be better, but they, but like, let's like, not like 30 reps. I've got an upcoming reel where I like joke around about like 30 reps. And I think I said in it, I was like, you can use any rep range between five and 30 to build muscle. As long as you get close to failure within a couple of reps of failure, but like, unless you already hate your parents for, for your existence, don't do 30 reps because it's absolutely torturous, right? Um, so that 8 to 12 rep range seems to be like a really good sweet spot. I personally use all rep ranges. I use as high as 20s and I use as low as 5s in programs depending on the program. But I don't just stick to heavy rep, heavy weight all the time because I think it it increases your, your risk of injury. The other thing that I will say, and I think like context, and I haven't heard Tom Platts say this. However, like with my own ideology is, is like contract muscles don't move weight. Okay. And I talk about this like with my in-person clients and I've spoken about it with many of my online clients is like start the movement slow and contract hard okay and you will just inherently use lighter weights with that because you're on muscle and you're grabbing on muscle and you're contracting as hard as you can other than leveraging momentum to use weight okay so for me start the contraction slow till you feel the muscle engage and then lift explosively absolutely to recruit all muscle fibers but lifting fast or explosively should not be confused with moving weight. Like lifting explosively should not be confused with moving fast. Does that make sense, everybody? Lifting explosively should not be confused with moving fast. Um, Shauna asked, when aiming to build muscle, which is better, steak or protein bars or both? Uh, I learned a lot from a guy named Stan Efferding, just following his stuff like back in the day, uh, in the beginning stages of my career. And I, I met him at uh, Swiss Symposium and chatted with him and stuff like that. He's a really intelligent individual. He's got this like funny saying that he's, I think it's um, shakes are for fakes, eat a steak. So, like when you're aiming to build muscle and and you're trying to optimize, yeah, red meat all the way for the purposes of building muscle. When I put on 11 pounds of muscle in 11 months and I suffered a serious neck injury in the midst of it that had the right side of my body atrophy and I lost a significant amount of size on my left side, my tricep, my bicep, my shoulder, and my lat, and some of my shoulder stabilizers, I was eating six meals per day, all of red meat and rice, beef and rice, beef and rice, beef and rice. No, I'm, well, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I might be a robot. I don't know. I might be a Terminator or something. Um, but yeah, if you had the choice and you're talking for optim, optimal, optimal outcome, red meat is an absolute superfood and and protein bar is a supplement, right? So superfood versus supplement. 
superfood all the way. Like we we can thrive on a red meat diet, on a red on a on a only meat diet. You can thrive on it because it has so many vitamins and minerals in it that so many other foods don't have. Um so it's 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 like a like there's it's like not even close per se, which is better. Steak is like 100% better like all the way. A thousand percent better like all the way. What tastes better? I guess that's a matter of opinion, but, um, and if anybody's listening is following me for a long time, you'll know that I do use protein bars here and there with some clients, depending on environment, say for an example, a, a lad who's working construction, who's never going to have access to a microwave. He's going to probably have more sandwiches and protein bars and things like that in his diet than say somebody who works in an office where they can microwave their food regularly. Uh, but it's it's all based on conditions, but more often than not, yeah, animal-based protein sources over supplements all the way, all the way. Is that really helpful, everybody? I'm just going to grab a sip of water here. Um, Jason, my bro, Jason, is talking about um, there's a study in the Middle East that followed Supreme Court judges and tracked the times of day when verdicts were reached, and they found that in the morning... Shortly after breakfast, there were more innocent verdicts than there were later in the morning when it had been multiple hours since those judges had eaten. The same pattern emerged shortly after lunch and then later in the afternoon when it had been hours since they had eaten again. Hangry is a real thing. Man, that's a really cool study. Uh, but it really just echoes like what uh, I was speaking of earlier about like being ravenous and making poor choices those choices are having serious impacts on people's lives. So joking around a little bit, if you wind up in court for any reason whatsoever, um, try to make sure it's like first thing in the morning or right after lunch or it might be a bad day, but that's a, that's a really cool, um, a really cool study. Thanks for sharing that, bro. Uh, if you're watching this on my private, on my personal Facebook page, I'm dropping it right now. And if you are watching it on Instagram, I've dropped in, I'm looking for some questions in there. Nobody's asking any questions in there. So I'm dropping it now. We'll keep LinkedIn on. Okay. So if you're watching this on LinkedIn or you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you check the link in the description and come join Tom, the trainer's tribe. Okay. Um, Rob says, I was listening to your podcast on supplements and you mentioned clean protein bars. Any recommendations? Um, for sure. So like in North America, I'm a big fan of the pure protein bars that you can get often at Costco or Walmart. Um, they have different flavors of them. They're all pretty awesome tasting and really low in sugars um, and fairly low in calories. And they're pretty clean. They're like 180 or like 200 grams per bar. So that's kind of what I like to look for in a protein bar is, is like, what's the sugar content on it? And what's the overall calorie content on it? I think like, it's like they're around 200 calories. They're 15 or 18 grams of, of, of protein. I think they're under 10 grams of carbs and fairly low fat so pure protein would be my go-to um and then there's some other ones like the kirkland brand they're pretty good too they taste all right they're pretty low calorie but i, I wouldn't look at things like say for example like you know cliff bars and stuff mostly just because like those are actually like a meal replacement bar than they are a protein bar like i think those are high and really high in calories and stuff so that's what I look for is like low sugar, uh, low sugar, um, low fat. I like to keep them in and around a couple hundred calories per bar. All right. So next up, looking for the best exercises to improve a throw, a throw in for soccer. Uh, James is asking this for his son. He's throwing mid goal from the corners. Um, he wants to improve this and we want to train with weighted balls. I realize it's technical 
and where you release the bar, but what can we do in the gym? This is a really cool question, right? Like it's definitely not like um it's not like about like transformations and stuff like that, but I I I really like this kind of stuff. Like this is like this is specific like specificity training right like getting really specific to the outcome of which you want to accomplish and if the outcome of which you want to accomplish is specific to a sport then there's a couple of ways to look at doing things okay um look at what muscles are involved and train those muscles so say for example personally like a lat pullover when your like arms are overhead, arms are overhead, for example, like, you know, Dorian Yates used to do that Nautilus machine where he locked in his elbows and he pulled down and like, he talks about how that important it was for his back. Similar idea, but your arms are overhead. You're in a hinged position. You're going to grab a hold of the cable and you're going to grab a hold of the, the handle and you're going to pull the cable down towards you while lifting your chest a little bit to work your lats um that would probably be like the number one movement that i would think that would translate to that if it's weight training okay training with weighted balls and stuff yeah absolutely because it's extremely specific um but when it comes to weight training the number one exercise i would say would be that lat pullover now you could get less specific and just be like, what, what muscles are being used in this exercise? And let me train those in training. Like, let me do, let me do chest things like bench press and chest flies and stuff. And, and well, let me do lat things like lat pull downs, right. And rows and things like that in the gym. And then I'm going to work on the, the specificity of skill of the exercise on the field or in practice of that sport if that makes sense so like bench press would be pretty good probably like an incline bench press because you're going to use upper pec on that exercise and then like lat pull downs and stuff and then also i would probably say like something else that would probably be fairly good for it as well would be like um reverse hyper extensions where you lock your feet into the glute ham raise machine and then you like arch back so you're like arching back as the glute ham raise machine is parallel to the floor and you arch back you drop your head towards the floor and then you come up in a crunch and the reason why i would say that that would translate fairly well is, is because it opens up it opens and lengthens up your abdomen and then contracts them and obviously well, like when you're throwing overhead you're going to have that high chest and and you're going to have that high chest and your abdomen's going to be open and your abs are going to be a contributing factor so hope that was super helpful. We got a lot of questions today, so I'm ripping, ripping through them. We got 15 minutes to get through them all. Um, Matt is asking about time management and motivation to stay on track with food and workouts. Talking about like whether or not it's okay to fall down and getting back up is more important. Yeah, man, like a hundred percent, Maddie. Um, The whole key, I am plugging so many episodes of the podcast. The whole key to your success as it relates to your health and fitness goals is finding sustainability and overcoming the adaptive changes that we make, um, overcoming our adaptation to change, I should say. So the trans theoretical model of behavioral change is all about like staying consistent long enough that you don't relapse into previously like in previous like poor behaviors that led you off track it's called making changes simple episode number 35 you can you can fall off track like absolutely you can fall off track the key to falling off of track and not having it hinder your long-term success is get your ass back on track as literally as soon as possible okay that's where there's obviously value in my coaching with clients, for example, right? Is like if somebody has like a bad week, you can like, trust me, like I'm pushing them to not have two bad weeks, right? Or if somebody goes away on vacation, they get back from vacation. I'm like, hey, how was, your, how was your vacation? They're like, oh, so awesome, blah, 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 blah. Cool. What time are you working out tomorrow? Right? Get back on track as soon as you possibly can and limit the long-term damage of your effects of not doing the stuff that's going to lead to your success. 
don't relapse for long. Okay. So yeah, it's okay to fall down, but it's important to get back up. But what's even more important than that, I would say is get back up fast, right? I have metaphors for everything. Okay. If you were getting a beat down, if you were getting a beat down and I don't know, some guys were like jumping you and like metaphorically, okay. Life's giving you a beat down and you're not able to do the things that you can do metaphorically if you look at that as like there's like a bunch of guys giving you a beat down and you fell down on the ground would you lay down on the ground and let those guys like beat you down even further or would you get up as fast as possible and get on your feet and protect yourself and just keep moving it's the same thing when it happens in life if something comes up where it puts you down just don't stay down long get back up screw it I had a moment like that recently where like I literally like sat down on my kitchen floor and I just felt like I was literally like completely empty and I had my moment and I got back up and it's time to kick some ass in life. Right. So hundred percent, bro, it's okay to fall. And we all do sometimes just get up as fast as you possibly can. And then like time management is going to be the key to your long-term success. Like 100% it is like, because the only way that you can be successful long-term is if you manage your time well enough to do the things that you need to do to be successful. Um, and the way to do that is episode number. Well, I make a lot of good, I make a lot of good podcasts, eh? Uh, a lot of good podcast topics. I think it's like episode. It's one of the earlier ones. It's about step number one to getting to your goals is getting your shit together. I think it's called episode number five, accomplishing your fitness goals means getting your shit together. Okay. And I talk about how you can manage your schedule in a way where you prioritize all of your responsibilities that are non-negotiables in your life first in your schedule. And then when those are set out, then the next thing you do is you prioritize the things that are about most important to you. So if your goals are about most important to you, then after you've done your work and you're driving your kids to school and your kids sports or whatever it may be, next thing that you schedule is your workouts. And the next thing you schedule is your meal plan. And you treat those things like they're appointments and like you need to go to work. And if you don't go to work, you get fired, right? Well, it's kind of the same thing with your fitness goals. If you, if you schedule those things out in, in the time that you schedule them to do them and you don't do them, like your fitness goals are going to fire you in a sense of like you're not going to have any success. So that's the best way that I manage my time when it comes to this stuff. And the other thing that's really key when it comes to time management is like there's no sense in managing your time. And I'm not speaking to Matt specifically. I'm just speaking to people in general. There's no sense in trying to manage your time and then not doing shit when you say you're going to do it. And like, that's something that I think is like, I see with like a lot of people, right? It's like, like it starts at getting up on time. It starts at like, whatever it is when you say you're going to do, like if you set a schedule out and you stick to your schedule and you treat the things that you've scheduled with urgency, you can get them all done. But if you have like a procrastination mentality of like, Oh, like I was supposed to do this now, but I'll do it later. And like that kind of thing. You're just screwed. You'll just always feel overwhelmed, right? Um, just having a look at my schedule here to make sure because I'm going to run over a little bit. Is that really helpful, everybody? All right. Ed is asking about resting time. This is going to be actually my last question. And then what I'm going to do is probably look at doing these other questions at another time. But I will get to them, I promise. Um, Resting time and general load management. Sometimes it can be hard to understand how much is too much or even how to make the most out of your training time. Okay, for sure. So like Ed, um, episode number, <laughs> wow. Uh, how to build a program like an award-winning coach. Let me build it. How to build a program like an award-winning coach, number episode number 11. It's going to be really, really key. It's going to talk to you about like rest intervals. And basically the way that I would put it is like, um, I like to use, I like to use as, uh, get as much done as possible in the time of which that I am trying to train in. And for me personally, if I'm, if I'm prioritizing body fat, like I'm prioritizing leaning out, then what I'm going to try to do is condense as much training volume as possible in my workouts in the time that I have to train. And I'm likely going to superset, giant set, couple exercises together 
where I go from one exercise to the next exercise to the next exercise with no rest as often as I possibly can. Okay. If I'm training for strength, then I'm going to stretch out the rest intervals to be like over three minutes after big, heavy compound lifts at the beginning of my workouts before I probably ramp up the intensity towards the end of my workouts when I'm working on more like hypertrophy muscle building tactics than I am working on strength, okay? So if strength is the focus, you've got longer rest intervals. If fat loss is the focus, you've got really short rest intervals and you're, and you're using intensity methods like... Um, density methods in training that are going to be like supersets, monster sets, triple sets, stringing a bunch of exercises together with very little rest between them from one exercise to the next to the next. When it comes to building muscle, I personally am a big fan of kind of using a hybrid approach to um, that. And what I like to do with that is, is I usually like to focus on like one or two, like big, big, heavy compound lifts when I'm building muscle that I try to work up to a really heavy set on with ample rest in that exercise. And I try to PR that exercise, whether it's a lat pull or it's a bench press variation, or if it's a, a row, um, or if like whatever it may be. I have that one meat and potatoes exercise where I have longer rest intervals between the sets of that exercise. And then I will use density methods, increasing the density of my workouts by using supersets like at other times. So for example, if I have a push day and I'm looking to build muscle, my big compound movement might say dumbbell chest press, for example, I think I had 105 the other day for like six or something like that. Don't quote me on the exact number. The exact number doesn't matter anyways, but like I hit that for a big heavy set. Uh, and then after I hit that big heavy set, then I started doing things like chest flies and lateral flies where I superset them together. So the way to make the most out of your training time, Ed, is getting really specific and intentional on what your goals are. And then using that time to optimize what training methodologies, what rest intervals you need for that specific goal. If it is for fat loss, keep moving, keep moving. One exercise to the next exercise to the next exercise, okay? Uh, if it's for building muscle, you can use like a little bit of a hybrid approach. And then if it's for strength, then you need long rest intervals. And the way that you make the most out of your training time is you know you're extremely intentional about what you're there to accomplish and then you use the appropriate rest intervals to accomplish that okay and then you don't worry about that one particular training session you worry about the compounding effects of all the training sessions up over time okay um and I also feel as though that like usually in and around an hour of lifting is ample plenty time. And if you're training longer than an hour of actual lifting per se, then you're probably not pushing it hard enough. Okay. My workouts lately exceed an hour, but I do a lot of warm up sets on my big heavy compound movement first. So I would actually only. I would probably actually only say I probably only train in around 50-ish minutes of actual heavy lifting because I work up to that weight before I start going heavy. So 50 minutes to an hour of really hard, intense training should literally be plenty. And you could probably look at four to five days per week maximum for that, I would say. When it comes to fat loss or hypertrophy and for strength, then your workouts might wind up a little bit longer just because you're going to have really long rest intervals on the compound movements. Is that helpful? And let's see. Let's see if I can do one more question in three minutes here. One more question in three minutes. I don't know. I ramble. Let's see. Okay. Um, Zeus is asking, what part of the workout should I what part of the workout should I do cardio? The beginning, the middle, or after my workout and why? I 100% prioritize cardio 
either completely away from your training session, from your resistance training session entirely, or at the end of it. But I generally don't do it in the midst of it. Okay. Um, if you want to get really, really good at running, then you got to run often and your focus in your training is going to probably be running at another time, but like, don't confuse two goals in the same session. So if your goal is to run a really long distance, then don't like wear out your muscles ability and deplete glycogen by doing a bunch of long distance running before you train and you don't have any glycogen in your body for the muscles energy source to perform do it separate from the workout or at the end um because you should be able to lift as hard and heavy as possible during your training sessions you want to have as much glycogen in your system which is stored carbohydrates as possible during your training sessions and you don't want your cardiovascular ability to be the limiting factor on the level of intensity of your lifting like you don't want to you don't want to fail your bench press because you did jumping jacks between sets on your bench press. And the reason that you're failing on your bench press is because your heart is pumping so fast that you need to bring that you like, you can't breathe on your bench press rather than like I failed on my bench press because my muscle failed on my bench press. Right. Another part of the question is, is it okay to work out when I still feel sore? Yeah. I would say like in the beginning stages of a new program, when you're doing new stuff, your level of soreness is going to be increased. Uh, I don't think you should be absolutely crushed, but it's okay to be like a little bit sore and then you'll build up the resilience, like where that will go away. And it should only be, be in the beginning stages of a new program, in my opinion. And if it's not, and if it's, and if it's continual throughout the entirety of the program, then that program wasn't designed well because you're not recovering from the workouts and you're probably like not going to grow because you're just doing more damage than your body can recover from. So yeah, you shouldn't always be continually sore, but like I have a program, the fast phallus frequency method is my flagship program. It's and it's like, it's contributed to nearly like that metabolic muscle madness and some of the other programs, but a high percentage of my 308 plus client transformations in 12 week periods have come from the fast fat less frequency method, which is full body workouts in the beginning stages of that program, because you're working out every muscle, every time you train. Yeah. You're probably training a muscle when it still might be a little bit sore the next day, but it's not crushed. Okay. Um, and especially for building muscle, I've stopped workouts because I started a workout and I started bench press for safe per se and i'm like starting my bench press my dumbbell bench press the other day i did it and i started it and i was just like i'm not working press today because my chest feels sore and that's just i'm not doing it because my goal right now main goal is muscle gain okay so only in the beginning stages of a workout and if it's beyond the beginning stages of a workout where you're not recovering from workout to workout on that muscle group then you need to look at the programming and lower the training volume or maybe the intensity so that you can take advantage of the law of repeated bouts train create damage recover train repeat okay you don't want to go train create damage train create damage you want train recover sorry train create damage recover train okay recovery is key okay and then the last piece is going to be about um, what's the difference between free weights and machines and which one should I prioritize? So holy plugs. I just plug away the podcast all the time, right? Um, it is called uh, my secret skill activate recruit stretch exercise order sequence on episode number 29 talks about Pardon me, my wife is calling me. Talks about um, the purposes of different tools within the gym. Free weights create less like external stability. So a free weight, your body needs to stabilize that weight and the movement more than a machine does because a machine has levers and cables and cams and things to create the movement of the weight to be extremely smooth. So machines have more external stability 
which has a bonus of like you can probably take that exercise closer to failure safely than with free weights, right? Both have their place in a good, well-designed program. But they also can be looked at as like ways to progress. Maybe in the first four weeks of a program, you use machines or you're new, you're new to training. So maybe in new to training, you're using a lot of machines. You do that for four weeks. And then after the four weeks, maybe you move to barbells where there's a little, a little less stability, but you still have a bar. So there's more stability before you use, you move to dumbbells. So like they're all have their bonuses and they all have their pros. You should prioritize which ones to use depending on where you are in your program and what your goal is. Okay. If my goal of an exercise is to put up a big PR with heavy ass weights, that exercise, I'm probably going to use a free weight for that, like a bench press. But if my goal is to kick the living hell out of a muscle and make it fail, then I'm not going to do a barbell for that because it's not safe to fail. I'm going to go into a chest press machine and I'm going to work the hell out of that muscle in an environment where honestly, my rotator cuff's not stabilizing. All these things aren't stabilizing the movement and I'm able to just work the pack really, really hard. So they both have their benefits and you should prioritize them based upon what your intention is of that exercise selection. And it will make a little bit more sense if you listen to that episode, my secret skill activate stretch recruit exercise order sequence episode number 29. It's a high level way of viewing the tools that you have in the gym and how to use them for the intention of each exercise. Okay. Okay. Um, there are some more questions here and I promise Katie, I promise Mark, I promise James and Tim, I'm going to get to those questions for you on next week's Q and a. Okay. I apologize. I wasn't able to get to them today. I do have to run to get to some calls fairly soon. However, um, so I will either mention them on next week's or I will hop in at another time and I will answer those questions as well. So I hope you found this extremely useful. If you found this extremely useful, please, 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 if you're listening to the podcast, share it with a friend, let your friends get this information, um, let them join the tribe, make the tribe a kick-ass place where everybody gets tons of value. I hope you're all having the best day ever. I appreciate all of you for hopping in. I appreciate all of you for listening. Have the best day ever, and we will catch you on the next Q&A and podcast episode. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at Tom the Trainer Fitness.